you continue to pray, it, what, a, what a joy it is to see the, <clears throat> the group on Sunday night continue to grow. And I'm uh, truly thankful for that. I'm thankful for the growth that we're seeing on uh, Sunday mornings. If we could just get all of our regulars here on the same time, that'd be great. And we had four visiting family, first-time visiting families today. So um, almost every week we have uh, a new family and just so thankful and uh, truly it's, it's a blessing. And I'm reminded too as... Um, you know, the, the phone calls, the texts that I get, and, and people stopping by on the way out. And, um, you know, a Alice has it right. You know, they're, the, this world is just full of hatred. It's full of uh, sadness and challenges. And uh, we, we just need to work at being a brighter light, don't we? And um, we just need to be kind and talk to people and and show them that there's good in this world, and, and uh, it's just a good reminder to me, and um, just truly thankful for what God does, and how he chooses to use us, what a privilege it is, right, so let's uh, go out, and let's tell somebody about Christ, and let's encourage one another, and, and uh, just see God do something great, and in uh, our lives and, and uh, in this church family. And I still, I pray that God uh, grows this, uh, not, for the, not for the growth, just I, you never want that to be the, the, the whole issue is numbers, but uh, with, with uh, people come numbers and it means that you're ministering to more people and you're reaching more people and that's what we want. And I just pray God does something in Morgan County that is just shocking to everybody and that, that he does something here that um, we can all look back and just see how God is doing that. And I pray he grows us big enough. I do. I, I want to see the day when we have the sanctuary, we have the classrooms. This is actually a gymnasium that uh, not only do we have a wrestling program, I would love to see a basketball program. I would like to see a, a volleyball program uh, doing the same kind of things where, um, I, I mean, we, we, have, we have all of that now in our, in our society and all these club, club ball games, and all of them are on Sunday, you know? And why can't we have our own, and we can determine what day it is, and, and it won't be on Sunday, and we can teach these kids how to, how to play sports and enjoy sports, but we can also help them to to understand the the ideas of character building of it and and uh, use that. And the the day is coming where there's going to be a baseball field, and we're going we're going to have a baseball field out there. And yes, lights and everything. You know, Caleb, we're going to do it, and uh, we it's going to be a great time. So, I I mean, build it and they'll come. You know, everybody was waiting for me to say that. <clears throat> and I can't believe Mitch didn't believe me that I didn't know what I was talking about, talking about a song, Rainbow Stew and Free Bubble Up. <clears throat> Don't question my abilities to remember old heathenistic country songs, but I can't remember the words to a hymn. But it uh, seems like that happens a lot. <clears throat> but we'll just uh, uh, move on now. So... 
Well, we're in Revelation chapter 1, where we're going to go around the, the seven churches, going to preach those on Sunday morning, obviously, and then uh, Sunday night, though, we're, we'll be in chapter 1 till we're done, and then we'll move on into chapter 4 after that. But uh, we're seeing a, a great introduction here, and it really sets the scene for uh, the entire book of the Revelation and uh, the, the revealing of Jesus Christ and, and uh, showing who he is and, and how powerful it is to uh, see how this starts off. And, and so we, we have the, uh, <clears throat> we have the uh, first point uh, that we've already looked at, but the things which thou hast seen, that's what chapter 1 is, verses 1 through 20. And, and uh, here, here we have the, the outline is in verse 19 where he tells us, Write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be. And uh, so we'll, we'll be looking at that. That's the simple outline that we have for the book of Revelation. And uh, we know that chapter 1 are the things which thou hast seen. And uh, so it, in verses 1 through 3, we already saw this. We saw the purpose of uh, writing down uh, the revelation and writing down the, the words of God that he wants us to know. And so we looked at verses 1 through 3, and we saw that. And then we saw in verses 4 through 8, we saw the prince being described, which is uh, Jesus and, and uh, how powerful that is to see uh, who he is in verse 5 and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and and then we saw what he's done for us. He made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. And to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And we know that. And then I, I uh, mistakenly said, and, and uh, talking about the rapture and, and the beginning of the tribulation in verse 7, but this is dealing with the second coming and his advent, you might say. And uh, at the end of the, the tribulation period, verse 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. And, and then we see the statement made in verse 8, showing his eternality and, and, and that he has always existed. He is the Alpha and Omega, the first and last. And those are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. And the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. And so, and uh, here we, we know that uh, referring to, and w here we have in those first verses, we have God the Father being described. We have Jesus the Son described. We have God the Holy Spirit uh, uh, mentioned also in the seven spirits in verse 4. And uh, so we see all of that and the things which thou hast seen. We saw the purpose, we saw the prince, but now we're going to see a description of the prophet, and that's John, verse, verse 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation. And so we know he's a brother in Christ. He's a companion in the tribulation, and, and uh, he, he was also one suffering from uh, persecution. He was a partner and a sharer or uh, one that was a participant in 
affliction and persecution. We know, I mean, he was put on the island of Patmos, and, and there uh, where uh, he mentions that, and he tells us that in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So he says, hey, I'm your brother, and we're brothers in Christ. And isn't that good to know that if you're sitting here tonight and you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you by faith have trusted in that saving work of Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and called on him and placed your faith in what he has done, then he has adopted you into his family. And we are now brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, what a joy that is to know that we will spend an eternity with each other. And, and uh, what a joy that is that, that uh, we will, uh, we will uh, see that. Somebody's having to come to Jesus meeting? Is that what I just heard? <coughs> no. <laughs> oh, it's all right. <coughs> so, actually, I didn't know that was her. I thought that was uh, uh, Phil took one in the bathroom. I'm like, <clears throat> how many ever made a trip like that with your parents when you were little? Mm. See, you guys are fortunate. You went in there behind closed doors. My dad took me outside in the street in the middle of town and beat my butt right there in the middle of town in Spicker, Missouri. Everybody knew how mean Shannon Monday was, and they were all clapping because they knew he deserved everything he got. <laughs> but, oh, well, no, it's all good. Right? See, my mind is a dangerous place, you know. <clears throat> He's his brother and companion in tribulation, and, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus. You know, we mentioned that this morning again, too, but how many times do we see, how many times do you see God say, act upon this now? You know, now there are a few, but very few. How many times do you see God say, wait, wait on me, wait and trust him, and, and you find that, that that patience builds faith, and it is a test, and do we trust God? Will we wait on God, or do we think that we have to jump in and take care of things? And, and, but here he says, I'm your brother, I'm your companion in, in the tribulation, the afflictions, the persecutions, the, the pressing that we talked about earlier today. And, and, and so, but uh, also I'm your companion in the kingdom and patience of Jesus. And the patience is that perseverance waiting on the blessed hope of Jesus Christ. One day, one day, he is coming. <clears throat> and we look forward to that day of seeing pure justice and genuine uh, justice being carried out, and that day will come. But now he says that I, I'm, I'm your brother and companion in these things, and I'm here on the isle called Patmos, and, and uh, Patmos was a small rocky island it, it was said to be 10 miles long six miles wide a little bit southwest of ephesus and and uh, not much there except the mine and so when you were put on that you didn't just get to sit around and watch the sun come up and the sun go down you were mining and and so you were working while you were there and 
And uh, so that's what he was probably doing during these times. And, uh, and why was he there? But uh, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Boy, all through this, we're, we're going to see how important perseverance is. And, and just like I've said before, I really do believe that God gives us a sustaining grace every day as believers to get through whatever the day is and whatever the challenges are. And I do believe that if things continue to get worse in our lives and get worse in our country and worse in our world and there's more challenges towards Christianity, that God will give us a grace to go through whatever the issues are and it will be okay. And we just keep doing what we know that we are supposed to do and God will do what he says he will do. And we need to stand for the word of God and we need to stand for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And just tell people the truth about Christ and, and let them know. And, you know, I kept looking for opportunities when we were flying to, <clears throat> to talk to someone. And I, I have found that, that people are becoming more unsociable as you go. And, and they're, they're harder to approach. And so, uh, and they've gotten used to hiding behind things, you know, and, and just don't. No eye contact or anything like that. But finally, God gave me an opportunity. And, and I found it interesting, too. I heard a couple talking on the plane right in front of me. And, and uh, uh, so I just kind of interjected. And, and I gave them a, both of them a track that I had about Jeff. And just told them I wanted, you know, hey, I hear, heard you guys talking. And, and found out the guy, I'm not sure what he did, but he, he works for, I think he was working for, a film company that um, they do some short stories, short films, but they're involved also with the the group that does the the oh the one the about Jesus's life that you stream it. The Chosen, yeah, he's something to do with that too. And so found out, you know, he had something to do with that. He had the track, thanked me for it, you know. And the other lady, she was on her way to Oregon to visit her her grandkids, and, and she told me, she said she was reading the track, and then later when we're getting ready to get off the plane, she, she told me, she said, thank you so much, and, and, and uh, a powerful story about your friend, and she said, I just want you to know that the, the most important thing to me is that my children and my grandchildren know Christ as their Savior, and she said that was just an encouragement, and so she'll pass it on, you know. Now we got a track somewhere in Oregon, you know, and be exciting to see how God uses those. But you know what? We just need to continue to tell people. And, and I guess if the day comes where you get thrown in jail for preaching the word of God and, and, and for the testimony of Jesus Christ, then you know what? You're in pretty good company. And the people that have gone before us and done those things and, and, uh, but, but God never says to stop. We just need to continue to do that. And, and so here we see John introducing himself and telling them who he is. And, and then he goes on, he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. And, 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 uh, by this, then he was obviously under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God and, and we know that the prophets were used in a powerful way, and they spoke for God. And, 
and I'm not exactly sure everything that went on. And, and you know, people today in, in the Pentecostal circles are kind of scrambling, wanting to ha- have that gift of prophecy. And I don't find any of those men really wanting that. As a matter of fact, I see that it took a toll upon them whenever they had those kinds of visions. I, I think of when Daniel and the visions that he had in, uh, in the dreams that he had, but especially in chapter 7 through 12, you, you look at the visions that, that God gave him, prophetical visions, and, and it tells us that, that he was disturbed by them, he was sick at his stomach by them, he was terrified by them, and, uh, and, and obviously did not want any glory in any of that whatsoever. Well, we, we have such charlatans that are out there today that, that, are, that are trying to uh, uh, scam people all along. And, and, but here we see that John was definitely one who spoke for God during that day. And I'm so thankful for what he did. And, and uh, I'm thankful that there aren't prophets in this way anymore. We have the complete word of God and we have everything that we need right here. And so let's trust what God's Word says. And so he tells us that it was on the Lord's Day, which is the first day of the week, which was a Sunday, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. And so we, we know uh, uh, definitely loud, and, and uh, it was used to get his attention, and there was no doubt that it was God talking to him, saying, I am Alpha and Omega the first and the last. Oh, how often do we see that, that showing us that he was not a created being. God wanted them to know, that wanted John to know, and wanted all of his readers to know that who it is that's writing this and telling him to write these things. It's our God, our eternal God, our omniscient God, and the one that has always been. And and uh, then he goes on with the instructions here, and he says, What thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And so now we see those seven churches, and and, and a warning to them, but uh, also, and, and showing them that, uh, most of those that he had something against them, the one today we saw uh, Smyrna was not in that case and, and uh, was doing a good job. And, and, uh, but when we think about a, doing a good job, they were being faithful through some uh, tremendous persecution. And, but here we see the importance that we need to understand that, as, as he told us earlier in verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy. This isn't something for us as believers to be afraid of. This isn't something that that we ought to turn away from because we can't understand some of these things. But it's not that at all. But as a matter of fact, he says you need to study this. If, if you really want to find joy and peace, then read his word and read even the revelation. And so here we see that that he goes on, and, and now we see the, 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 the uh, uh, so we see the prophet described. Now we see the preeminent one described in the rest of the chapter, verses 12 through 20. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, 
And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. What are the seven golden candlesticks? We reviewed this. The churches, right? Okay. And so he said, I saw the seven golden candlesticks. I, I, uh, <clears throat> now I'm curious. I, I wrote a verse down, and I can't remember why I wrote it down. I'm going to go back and read it real quick and see. Oh, Matthew chapter 5. Think about, think about the candlestick and think about what a church is. And Matthew 5 and verse, verse 14, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, I, I, I was thinking of this yesterday, too, and, and thinking about what we do as believers to tell people about Jesus. Mike, Mike Westmoreland, remember Mike preached here at the Stan Conference, and he pastors in Sumter, South Carolina. Well, yesterday their church had a, uh, a, a big game banquet, and, and kind of like the one that I preached back in, in Iowa, where they, they, uh, they, came in, they had guns and, and all kinds of outdoor stuff put up, and, and they invited people to come. They fed them. There was only over 400 people that came to this uh, sportsman's banquet, and they fed everybody. They don't charge anything, and they sign you all up, and then they draw for the guns and all the prizes, and, and they do all of that just to give them an opportunity to share the gospel with someone. The world doesn't understand anything like that. The, the world, you know, it, it's all, you know, really businesses, it's about, it's about making money. They might spend a little bit here or there to uh, gain attention or notoriety, but for the, for the most part, they wouldn't understand any of that. And, and so much of the world would be like, all right, so what are they wanting? You know, what, what is it that they want out of this? And, and, and this is our family, okay? And this is why I say this on a Sunday morning. When we take special offerings, I always try to make a point to tell people who are our guests, look, this is for our people. And, and we don't, you are our guests. We don't expect anything out of you. We just are glad you're here. And if they want to give, they can give all they want. But they're not going to accuse us then uh, of saying, oh, they just want me for, you know, an, another number. Or they want us to help build the offering or whatever. It's, it, that's just not what it's about. And we need to be obedient and give as we ought to. And, but the, the world has no idea. But it's just amazing to me to think that, what, what the church does to reach out into the community so that they can show them the light of Jesus Christ. And God blesses that. I, I, and, and I am so thankful for so many people in, in our church family that are willing to take time out of their lives and not live selfishly, but really live selflessly. And to give of their time and their abilities to tell someone about Jesus, and, and I, I am just truly thankful for each one that does that, and how important it is when we think about the seven golden candlesticks, how important it is that, that we are that kind of a golden candlestick that is a light in, into the world, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, 
and gird about the paps, which is his chest, with a golden girdle. What a, what a powerful picture that Jesus is walking in the midst of those churches. And, and he walks among us. And he walks in our midst today and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and we know that. And, and he's watching. And, and, and it's a sweet aroma to, to God the Father as, as he hears us uh, preaching his word and proclaiming the truth of his word by by worshiping God, by singing the songs, and by fellowshipping with one another, and, and bringing your family. And, 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 and guys, those of you who have little kids, I, you know, sometimes they might embarrass you, whatever. You, you know what? You just keep bringing them. And, and, and I am just so thrilled to watch them and watch them grow. And, and you know, Dwight was telling me yesterday, he, he's preaching in a church in San Francisco, and and he's been going there, he told me, since 1997. And, and uh, he, he doesn't have a lot of churches like that. And he said, it's really, he said, it's just so exciting because I get to see kids that grow up and now they're married and they're starting to have kids. And, and he said, it really, it's an amazing thing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. It's really cool to see that and, and watch that and you know, you just keep you just keep telling people about Jesus, and and and, and uh, you you keep telling your children, and you keep bringing them, and let them remember those times that that you guys, you know, the, those kids will grow up, and they'll remember the long, even if they move away, they'll remember the long driveway coming down and pulling into the the church parking lot, and remember the quam on Tuesday nights, and remember those things and fond memories that they will have, and. Uh, the place where many of them trusted Christ, and and and, and just you, you know what we just worship the Lord, and and He walks in the midst of us, and how powerful of a picture that truly is. He's clothed with a garment, and and a garment is a long robe that goes all the way down to his feet, and and he has a belt around it, and and uh, the chest with a a golden girdle or a golden belt, and. His head and his hairs were white like wool. And whenever you look at that and, and uh, you, you give thought to the white, you think of holiness, you think of, you, you think of age, you think of uh, uh, wisdom, you, you think of uh, uh, righteousness and, and purity. All of those things are, are a representation of, of Jesus. And you know what's amazing is, what, what the Father is, Jesus also, and the description. But we know in the context here, he's talking about Jesus. And his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. When we think about fire, we think about the penetrating ability of fire and the, the judgment of fire. And uh, you guys that are firefighters, you know that nothing is safe from the fire. I mean, it goes in and destroys everything and wipes it all out, and nothing hides from the path of that fire. And, and so we know judgment will be as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass. And brass also represents that judgment of God, and, and, and uh, a cons it's a consistent type of judgment. The, the brazen altar, if you remember, other items used in connection with sacrifice, and also, it was a picture of strength, and, 
in a picture of judgment, all of those things, and, and knowing that God's eyes are always sweeping over and watching and understanding that, that he sees all of these things that are going on. So a fine brass as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. I, I haven't been there. Anybody, I'm sure some of you have seen the Niagara Falls. Anybody been there? Pretty loud, isn't it? And so you, you think about the noise of the water. And even, in, you know, when the river is up and you hear the rushing of the water and you think about the, the noise, and, but it, it's not just the noise, but it's the power that's making the noise. Does that make sense? And, and that's what it's representing here in, in the power of God and, and uh, uh, his voice is a sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. You know, it, it's a blessing. And, you know, I got to think about this. I preached to those guys at, at chapel and, you know, trying to prepare them. And, and I preached down in Nehemiah, and you need to be prepared for external uh, problems. You need to prepare for internal problems. But then I've, I don't know if I really represented it well that, you know, it, yeah, there are those, those issues and everything. And, and there's challenges, but I wouldn't trade anything for, for what God has allowed us to do and to see and to go through, and it's okay, and, and, and I'm, I'm thankful for that, and I'm thankful to know that, that we're right there where every pastor, if he is doing what he ought to be doing, walking in the Spirit, preaching the Word of God, being the kind of pastor that he ought to be, and working at being a better one in those things, that He's right in the right hand of God, right there, right where he needs to be. And, and all that power is there, all that protection. And, and, but it's also a little on the terrifying side, you know, because at any time he can just pinch you, you know, and you're done. You know? I, I mean, there, there are some scary things about it too, but, and, and so it just shows us the accountability but the love and the care that he has and 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 uh, how powerful that is and 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 he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword what is that right here isn't it i mean can you you, you imagine what what is it and and this and and a two-edged sword okay it was a it was a sword that was used to kill okay i i don't know i i read that today and i've i've studied it out and exegeted this weeks ago and been mulling on it and working on it and thinking about it and then today this afternoon i was just thinking what is the and and it's a simple thought but what is the most powerful tool that we have in all of our arsenal as a believer is this right here and, and and it can look, it can kill the addiction that you have. It, it it can kill the the depressive thoughts that you have. It can kill the anxiety that is trying to ruin your life. It, it can it can kill the, the 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 spirit in your home that that is trying to destroy the 
your family and the, the, the meanness and the fighting and the bickering and I don't know, whatever, you know, whatever goes on in families and, 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 and all of those things can, can be killed through the very word of God and how powerful we, we need to understand is this word that he has. Look, he tells us that when he comes back in his advent and, and he comes riding on the white horse and he, and he comes into the valley of Armageddon, he will destroy those nations with a spoken word. Never have to raise a sword. It'll be a spoken word. Do we understand how powerful that spoken word is then to our lives? Allow that word of God to mold us into what we ought to be, mold our spouse into what God wants our spouse to be, mold our children into what it is that God wants them to be. Oh, oh, we, we, we so often, you know, what, what we, we think in our minds that, that we have to do this, 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 and this, and, and, and equip our children with all of these things to be successful in the world. Look, you, if you will equip your children and you will equip your marriage with knowledge and application of God's Word, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find that your family will be okay. Oh, how often we think that, well, we got to have God, but we also got to have the world to be successful. No, you don't. No, you don't. You want to be a godly businessman? Read it in the Scripture. I don't know of, I mean, Bezos and some of those characters think that there's just fine characters, but you could learn a lot more in leadership from studying Solomon, David. Those guys actually made their money by working and not messing with people's lives so much. And so here we see that, but it's a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance, his face, was as the sun shineth in his strength. And so uh, I, 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 I want you to, now I know it's a different word. The two-edged sword in this passage is different than the one that's used in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, okay? The, the one in Hebrews 4 and verse 12 was a more of a fine knife that can go in and carve certain things out and, and delicate, and I think the Word does both. I think the Word can use it to, to uh, delicately, delicately cut things out, but I also think it can kill it. Sometimes things just need to be killed. Some of those things that are trying to destroy us. But here we know that the very power of this two-edged sword will definitely be used to destroy the enemy. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. I, I don't, I, you know, heaven's going to be a wonderful thing. But I don't think I would, I don't want to be there like that. Everybody that came into the presence of God on earth, you ever notice that's how they ended up? Every one of them flat on their face, afraid to move. They didn't want any part of it. And I think that we're just, we just can't be prepared in this body of flesh and in this body of sin 
to actually truly comprehend the very glory of our God. And, and here we see that, that he went to that place of devotion and silence and, and didn't say a word. Just remember Job saying he'd cover himself in sackcloth and ashes and said, I'm not saying anything. And he laid his right hand upon me. Why the right hand? It's a sign of power. Okay, right hand always represents power. Saying unto me, fear not. Another command, stop fearing. All through Scripture. What is that statement? I, I've never looked at it to see if it's true or not. Fear is mentioned 365 times in the Bible. Somebody needs to look that up and see if that's really true. And, and so uh, I'm from Missouri, show me state. You know, you got to show me to make me believe that. But I haven't checked it. But I wonder, however many times the word fear is used, I wonder how many times it's used with God telling believers to stop fearing. Just stop. There, we, whatever, whatever comes and, and what, whatever the, the lot may be that God gives to us in this life, we just cross that bridge when we get to it. And until then, we just keep doing what it is that God tells us to do and stop fearing. He says, I am the first and the last. And so he's the first of everything. He's the last of everything. We're included in that, and it's going to be okay. And I am he that liveth, one that always lives, was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. And so here we see and know, and, and we need to understand that he's saying here, stop fearing, no one lives or dies apart from the Lord's permission and the Lord's direction, and he has control of our destiny, of every unsaved person as well as every saved person. And for those of us who know Christ is our Savior, there is absolutely nothing to fear. And so then what does he say? Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. And then he tells us what, he explains to us what we already know because I've already explained it to you. The mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. Seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, the messengers, the pastors. The seven candlesticks, which thou sawest, are the seven churches. And so we see a description of the preeminent one. The one who loves us, the one who died for us, who became the Lamb of God, became the perfect sacrifice for our sins, who now is coming back as the Lion of Judah. Perfect judgment. All will be judged. Everything will be out in the open. And so what do we do? Well, we're encouraged. We're blessed by reading the Word and by understanding His love for each one of us. And so let us walk with Him and let us not be afraid of whatever comes this week. Whatever comes, it'll be okay. We know that God has this. God is not surprised, and that God will lead us through whatever comes this week.
let's just stay faithful and keep serving him for who he is, our Savior, our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for Revelation chapter 1. Thank you that, Lord, before we get into anything in the tribulation, that first and foremost, that we just see who you are, the power, the eternal God, the almighty God. And Lord, I pray that you help us to walk in a way that no fear, we just serve you and be obedient to you and the truth and that is laid for us here in the word of God. Help us to be what you would have us to be. Guide us now. Use us this week. I pray that you will bless the, the funeral tomorrow, that, Lord, we can be a blessing to the Hardy family and, uh, and be a help to them. I pray you bless us as we work with the kids in Clam on, on Tuesday night and little kids in the Bible study on Wednesday. I think of the wrestling practices on Monday and Thursday and Lord, we just, uh, so many things going on, and I pray, Father, that you are honored and glorified in all of that. I pray for the Carnes as they go back, and Kenzie as they go back to North Carolina, and celebrate the home going of the grandma. Lord, I thank you for the promise of heaven, and thank you for our Savior. I pray you bless us and guide us this week, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.